Yes, I guess, you know, it's, we've already took an offering and we've sang and we've given announcements. And so the next thing that's on the list today is to preach the Word, to teach and minister the Word. Amen? So uh, through the worship, you're, you, you're prepared now, should be, to, uh, to uh, your ear, are your ears open? Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, Got your ears on, Brother Dave? <laughs> Got your ears on, your ears are open, you're, you're, uh, you're listening for the Lord today and what the Lord has to say. You know, Jesus told, Jesus told the churches in the book of Revelation, uh, there were seven churches that the message, that he had a message that he gave to John for and and to those churches, he said, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. So I believe that every time that we come together as a, uh, uh, corporately as a body of believers, that the Spirit of the Lord has something to say to the church. We don't come together just to uh, feel good, amen, or just to see one another. But uh, we come together to worship corporately and to sing and to praise the Lord, but then to hear what the Lord has to say. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit has spoken this morning to us through the gift of, of tongues and interpretation. And uh, the interpretation goes along with what I'm going to be ministering on this morning. So it's a confirmation, I believe to what we're going to be speaking on this morning. So now we just want to be attentive and open our ears to hear. And I say that because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this morning. I'm telling you to be attentive to what I have to say because I'm preaching this morning on the, on the, uh, the title is The Art of Not Paying Attention. Okay? So now that I have you totally confused, uh, open with me to the Gospel of Mark, if you would. The, the fifth chapter is where we're at. Now we are, uh, we're preaching... Here have been for several weeks now uh, from the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. And um, I tell you, we've been learning some things and God's just been blessing. But this fifth chapter of Mark, and we began week before last uh, in this fifth chapter. And I remember I told you that, that Mark chapter 5, some people call it and it's known as, uh, some people refer to it as the chapter of in the incurables. Because there are miracles, so many, there are three great miracles that the Lord performs here in Mark chapter 5, and He proves Himself. We already talked about the, 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 the man with the legion of devils, uh, how that Jesus set him free. But in this chapter, we see Jesus' authority and dominion and power over the demonic, over disease, and over death. So in this chapter, you have three mighty miracles that are performed. And we've already talked about the first one. And so today and next Sunday, we're going to talk about these next two as the Spirit of the Lord leads. And so I want you to open with me to that fifth chapter. And I'm going to read uh, beginning with verse number 21 down through verse number 24. And then we're going to jump across there to verse number uh, 35 and 36, okay? And we'll take our text from verse 36. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. 
And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. Some call him Jairus or Jairus or Jairus, whatever. I'll ask him when I get to heaven. How do you really pronounce your name? But we're going we're gonna to call him Jairus, okay? Um, and he, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come now and lay your hands on her that, that she may be healed and she will live. Notice that. I love that because Jairus here is, is expressing what he believes that the Lord can do for him and what the Lord will do for him. So he says, she's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. He knew if Jesus could get there, everything's going to be all right. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Then over in verse number 35, and while he was still speaking, Jesus, as we'll see here, was stopped to minister to the woman with the issue of blood, and he was still talking to her and ministering to her. And while Jesus was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? It's over with. And as soon as Jesus heard that, and here's where I want to take my text from. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Oh, hallelujah. Do not be afraid. What did the, what did the Holy Spirit just speak through that, through that interpretation? For us to believe what he has promised in the word and that he would bring it to pass in our life. And he says, do not be afraid, only believe. Now, now, in that 36th verse, in I'm reading from the New King James, it said, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. In the Amplified, and I, and I, and I studied this out and looked that up in, in uh, the Greek lexicon, and the word that is used for when Jesus heard, the word that is used is a Greek word that means to pay no heed to or be unwilling to hear. And some of the translations say, that, say it this way, when Jesus overheard what they said. Because Jesus is talking to the woman with the issue of blood. Are you following me? He's still ministering to her. And while he's ministering to her, they run out and say, Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter's died. It's over with. And Jesus overheard that. But the Amplified Translation says it this way. Verse 36, Overhearing, but Jesus overhearing, but ignoring what they said. I like that. The New Century Translation and some of the others say it this way, and this is where I got my, my, my text and my title this morning uh, for this message. says that, but when, but when Jesus heard, Jesus paid no attention to what they said. So I'm talking to you this morning about the art of not paying attention. There is a time to pay attention. 
And there are some things to pay attention to. You definitely want to pay attention when you're driving. You don't want to be like the woman we passed on 67 uh, on Friday as we pass by and I'm sitting in the passenger side and she's driving down 67 with her phone doing this. She wasn't paying attention. So there are times when you pay attention. When you're a student in class and the teacher's talking and lecturing or teaching, you need to be paying attention. And all the students said amen. All right. When the preacher's preaching and the preacher's ministering, that's, that's not a time to turn him off. That is a time that you need to be paying attention to what is said. But there are times, other times, and when God is speaking, when the word's going forth, you pay attention. But there are some times that we are, sometimes that we are not to pay attention and some things that we should not be paying attention to. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. Father, we thank you for your word and we ask that you would bless this message this morning, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, and that you would prepare the soil to receive the the word of the Lord today and to, to receive this message that you've laid upon my heart this morning. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen and amen. Now, in this, in this example of, of what Jesus do, has done here and what's going on in this particular passage of Scripture, I believe this is a, a great example of daring faith that is displayed by the Lord. And how many knows that Jesus is our example? And uh, he's ex exemplifying here faith when it says that he paid no attention to what they said. When he totally ignored the report of those who came from Jairus' house, he's exemplifying daring faith. Now, Jesus knew how, and this is the thing that we want to learn from the example of the Lord today, is that Jesus knew how to turn a deaf ear to the voices of negativity that clamored for his attention. And there are always those voices of negativity and doubt that are going to be coming against you and trying to bide for your attention. Those are the ones that you have to not pay attention to. And that's what it meant when it said that he paid no attention to what they said because Jesus had developed this art. He had developed this, uh, developed it to perfection, this high art of not paying attention. And I believe that this is one of the keys and one of the secrets of the victorious life that the Lord Jesus uh, lived in his 33 and a half years of life, in his three and a half years of ministry. And if you and I, if we are going to keep the victory in our life, and this is what you got to get a hold of today, if we're going to be the overcomers that God wants us to be, and if we're going to maintain the victory in our life that we need to maintain, then we're going to have to learn this secret, this same secret in this same key that Jesus exemplified here in this text because there are so many voices today that are trying, that are out there speaking to you to tear down your faith, to destroy your faith, to get you not to believe, to get you to give up. The song that Katie sang this morning fits perfectly with what we're wanting to talk about today. But Jesus had developed this art of not paying attention to perfection. He paid no attention 
attention. When you, when you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, there were occasions, especially Peter at one particular time, and other occasions when there were those who tried to dissuade Jesus and, and turn him away from the cross. And, uh, you know, when Jesus talked about he was going to Jerusalem and he was going to be crucified, remember on that one occasion, Peter said, oh, don't talk like that, Jesus. That's not going to happen. Jesus ignored what Peter said, and as a matter of fact, he rebuked what Peter said. He, 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 he didn't allow anyone or anything to detour him from the mission that God had sent him here to perform. He submitted to the heavenly Father and he accepted that mission to go to the cross knowing that through dying on Calvary that he was going to be able to bring many into the kingdom of God. So that's just an example this text and that particular situation just an example of how Jesus had developed the art of not paying attention. Now, you know, Jesus had just been to the, to the Gadarenes. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He had ministered to the man that we, I had talked to you about uh, being a wild man, the maniac of Gadara, the man who was possessed with a legion of demons. He didn't just have one devil. He had a legion of demons. He lived in the tombs, you remember, and he was just a wild man. And Jesus delivered him and set him free. And he was now... had was returning from the land of the Gadarenes from that particular country and he had come back to where he'd begin from and I believe it was probably Capernaum where he had come back to and when he gets back when the when the boat lands Jesus gets off the boat and immediately as always there was a, a, a flock of people a crowd of people a multitude of people that came there to gather around Jesus I mean he just drew he just drew people to him because of the healings, because of the miracles, everybody wanted to be where Jesus was. They wanted to be around him because of the power that flowed from his life. I wish it was that way today, that everybody still wanted to be where Jesus is, amen, because amen, he's at church, every, Jesus attends church every service. Can I get an amen? But everybody flocked around Jesus and there's a great crowd around him and Jairus, this ruler of the synagogue, the Bible calls him, says he was one of the rulers of the synagogue and uh, he comes running. When he hears that Jesus has come back to town and has just landed on the shore, he goes out to where Jesus is and he presses his way through the crowd to the Lord and, and he comes and falls at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that he begins to tell him the situation. He begins to beg him. Um, Jairus is he, is, he is a desperate man. I mean, he has a need that he's got to to have Jesus to come and intervene in his situation. And he begins to tell Jesus that his daughter, 12-year-old daughter, is very sick and she is hovering between life and death. We don't know what the sickness was that she had. We don't know what it was, but it was something very 
very, very severe for it to take the life of a little 12-year-old girl. No doubt he had probably had every doctor or everybody to come in and they had done everything that they could to try to make her better, but she just didn't get any better. And she's there just in the balance between life and death. And so he goes to where Jesus is and begins to convey to the Lord the situation. But he, and he knows this, even though in his desperation, Jairus knows that that there is still hope because Jesus has just come back to town. Glory to God. And he knows that there is still hope that if Jesus will just hurry up and if he can get the Lord to come to his house and lay his hands on his daughter, that she's going to be healed and everything's going to be all right. And that was the faith that he expressed. How many knows that you've got to express your faith with your lips, with your mouth? Amen. The Bible talks about, I mean, even to get saved, the Bible says that we must believe in our heart and make a confession with our mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if there's an abundance of faith, an abundance of the word, then that's going to be what comes out of your mouth. But if there's an abundance of doubt, an abundance of negativity, then that's what's going to be coming out of your mouth. Are you all with me? Amen. All right, I, yeah, give, me, give me a church Christ nod or something. Amen. But he expresses his faith and he says, Lord, he explains the situation and he says, if you will just come and lay your hands on her, then she can be healed and she will live. And so he makes, that, he makes that confession of his faith to the Lord. And so Jesus immediately goes with Jairus and he cannot, you know, Jesus never, never did resist, never could resist an appeal that someone made to him for help. How many knows that's the truth? Every t- everybody that came, do you ever read anywhere in the four gospels where anybody came to Jesus needing help and he always said, I don't have, or, or he ever said, I don't have time for for you today. You go away and come back another day. There was one situation where he did ignore the uh, Syrophoenician woman, but she wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't in covenant. But even though, glory to God, she wasn't in covenant and Jesus ignored her at the beginning, she still persisted till she got what she wanted and needed from the Lord. But Jesus, you know, in his love and his compassion, he never resisted an appeal for help. And so at once the Lord, the Lord turns and he begins to go uh, and set his face toward the house of, of Jairus and toward this house of suffering. And uh, I can just imagine that when Jesus starts to go and Jesus, yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm with you. Let's go to the house. Let's get this done. I can just imagine how the heart of Jairus must have now been rejoicing. Oh, hallelujah. Now everything's going to be all right because Jesus is here. Jesus has answered my cry. Jesus is coming to my house and everything is going to be all right now. I can just imagine uh, Jairus singing a little song. Maybe he was singing that song. You know, he he didn't know this song, but I just kind of used my imagination a little bit and think maybe he was singing, I I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Come on, amen. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to look at my wife because she's going to tell me, don't sing when you preach. <laughs> 
But he just knows that everything's going to be okay. Jesus is on his way to his house. Jesus is going to come in and lay hands on my daughter. She's going to be healed and she's going to live and everything's going to be all right. But right on the way to the house of Jairus, there was an interruption that took place. There was a woman with an issue of blood who hopefully we'll talk about next week. But this woman that had this disease for 12 long years presses herself through the crowd. And we all know the story of this lady, how she, she presses in and she touched the hem, the border of the garment of Jesus. She had said, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can touch him, I know that I'll be well. I know that everything is going to be all right with me. So she presses through the crowd and she touches Jesus and immediately as she does the power that was in the Lord went into her body and completely healed her and she immediately knew that she had been healed of that plague that she had had for those 12 long years she felt do you know the power of God is tangible when the power of God flows into a body you can feel the power somebody said we don't live we don't go by feelings we go by faith and that is true we live by faith and we walk by faith and not by sight but can I tell you when the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the healing power of God goes into your body. You're going to know it. You're going to, this woman felt Glory to God. She felt the power of God. And not only that, but Jesus felt that virtue and that power go from him and into her body. Amen. And so this woman touches Christ and is healed, but instead of Jesus just continuing on the way and making, hurrying up to get to the house of, of Jairus, instead of just doing that, he takes the time here to stop. Jairus is saying, we're in a hurry, Jesus. I mean, he knows Jesus doesn't ever get in a hurry. Come on, somebody. And he takes the time to stop and to minister to this lady. I mean, Jesus, you know, he said, well, who touched me? And he's waiting until somebody acknowledges the fact they touched me. And, you know, his disciples said, why are you saying who touched me? There are crowds around you and everybody's touching. He said, somebody touched me. I felt power go out of me, virtue go out of me. I know somebody's touched me with their faith. So he takes the time to find out who it is. Then the woman finally comes and confesses to him. And then Jesus does something else. He takes the time and gives this lady the opportunity to give her testimony. Amen. She told him all about her condition. She told him all about how that she had uh, tried, you know, all the doctors and all the clinics and nothing had done her. And she tells him all this. She gives her testimony of how she had touched the border of his garment and now everything's okay and everything's healed. And all of this, all of this time, when Jesus is taking this extra time, I imagine that, uh, that Jairus is becoming a little bit frantic. He's becoming a little bit impatient. I, I just kind of feel like... Like that in our at our prayer meeting yesterday, I gave a little devotional on uh, from from Hebrews chapter ten, where it said, "And you have need of patience, that after you have have done the will of God, then you will receive the promise." And I know I'm preaching to the choir today because probably nobody here in this house needs any kind of patience at all. You got all the patience you need, don't you? But this was a time when. Jairus was needing to exercise some patience because I can imagine he was getting a little bit frantic because, listen, Jesus is taking too long. Yeah. 
This lady could have waited. After all, my situation is probably more important than hers. She's been dealing with this for 12 years. My daughter's only 12 years old. Can she get at the end of the line and let me go first? I know none of us are like that. But he's, he's, he's getting a little bit antsy. Come on, Jesus. Hurry up, Jesus. My daughter needs help now, Jesus. If you don't get to my house, it's going to be too late. It's now or never. There can't be a delay. You've got to hurry up. And how many knows that, that, that and you've experienced, and I've experienced in our lives, times of a divine delay when we thought Jesus needed to hurry up and we thought Jesus needed to be there at a certain time and we thought Jesus needed to do this for us on our, on our schedule and on our time frame. But how many of you all know that Jesus is never in a hurry? You know what? There's only, and there's even a song about it, but there's, but there's, uh, there's only one time in the Bible that you ever read about God running and that was in the prodigal son when he was coming back home to the father's house out of that foreign country, out of that lost condition. It said that when the father saw him coming, he ran to meet him. Do you know that's when God gets in a hurry when he sees somebody making an effort to come to repentance and to come to Christ and to come to salvation, then God will run to meet them. But most of the time, God is never in a hurry. Even when Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and God knew that they had sinned. And the Bible says in Genesis that God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He knew there was a crisis situation, but God wasn't worried about it. God knew that he and Jesus and the Holy Ghost before the foundation of the world had already made a plan to bring man back into right relationship with God. Amen? So Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Jairus was in a hurry, but Jesus wasn't in a hurry. But then what happens is the very thing that Jairus, this ruler of the synagogue, this father, the very thing that he was afraid of, the very thing that he was fearing is what happens next. Because he's, he's wanting Jesus to hurry. Time is of the essence. Lord, you've got to get there. Leave this woman alone. Let's go to my house. But while Jesus is still speaking, the scripture says, while Jesus is still ministering to this woman, there come those from the ruler, from Jairus' house. These messengers come with devastating news and they say to him just bluntly, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the master any further? We don't need Jesus now because it's too late even for Jesus. Oh, somebody ought to be getting something here today. Hallelujah. You know, it's never too late for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. But they come with that bad news, with that devastating news, and it's just amazing to me how, how fast bad news travels. 
It's just amazing to me how many people are armed when we should be armed with the good news of the gospel. How many people are armed with a bad report or with negative news or with bad news. And there's some folks that just seem like they delight in telling bad news. You ever met anybody like that? I mean, there's been people in the past that I just, you know, I just quit. I just quit going up and shaking hands and saying, how are you today? Because it was just always something bad. It was just always something negative. It was always something, you know, I just say, bless you, God bless you, you know. But, uh, but, 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 but people seem, some people just delight in telling bad news. There's some people that would rather tell bad news than tell any kind of news at all. And that's kind of the way these people were. They can't, they can't wait to get to where Jairus is at so they can give him the bad news. It's too late. It's over. We don't need Jesus. Your daughter is dead. They were brutal. I mean, this was a brutal announcement. Your daughter it's, is dead. And not only was this bad news and devastating news and despairing news, but it was some faith-killing news. This was news. This was a report of negativity and a report that was designed to kill the faith of Jairus. Amen? And that's all the kind of news that the devil has today. Can I get an amen? That's the only kind of news that he has is news to try to discourage you. It's news to try to bring you down. It's news to try to zap you of your faith. It's news to try to break you of your victory and rob you of your victory and rob you of the blessing of God in your life. That's the kind of news the devil has. But there's some other news besides the devil's news. And we got some good news today from Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. So the words came, and at these words, I can just see the countenance of Jairus as it falls. The father's hope, his hope just ebbs away and dies right there. His face, his eyes begin to well up with tears. His face begins to become wet with tears as they're streaming down his cheeks and as he hears that news, Jesus is, is still ministering to the woman and he hears that news echoing in his ears and he says to himself, he whispers to himself, oh no, it's too late. Jesus has waited too long. She's gone. She's dead. It's too late. Maybe even the woman that was there that was just healed, as she heard the news, her heart even goes out to Jairus and her joy seems to leave her face at that bad news. The crowd that is gathered around there hears the bad report and they all know, uh, they all know Jairus. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's the one that's there every Sabbath day. They all know him. They know his wife. They know his daughter. And I'm sure the crowd looks at him with a sympathetic silence and some of them probably offering their condolences and offering their sympathy and trying to comfort him, trying to make him feel a little better. But there's nothing that they can say at this point. There's nothing that they can say at this hour that can comfort him at all. And so everybody hears the bad report and everybody hears the bad news. And it has an effect on Jairus. It has an effect on the woman. It has an effect on the crowd. It has an effect on everybody there. But 
But listen to me, church. There's one person there that this bad news has no effect on whatsoever. There's one person in this crowd that is not moved by the negative report because this fatal and this final, final news does not have any effect on Jesus Christ whatsoever. He ignored the thing that was said and paid no attention to what was said. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He has a look, Jesus does, of confidence in his eye. He has the same calm assurance in his voice. And Jesus acts just as he would have acted had these messengers of doubt and despair never have spoken. He paid no attention to what they said. He completely, now listen to me, he completely ignored the negative report. Was it true? Yeah, she was dead. Was it true? Yes. But Jesus did not acknowledge that. Jesus ignored the report that was against what he was going to do for this man. He turned to that heartbroken father. Ignoring what was said, he immediately turns to Jairus. Because see, here's the thing. He knows this bad report, this negative report has had an effect on this man and it's had an effect on his faith because now he's got this news, he's going to stop believing now. And Jesus looks at him, ignoring them, looks at Jairus and says to him, fear not, only believe. In other words, Jesus is saying to him, you just keep believing. You keep exercising the same faith you was exercising when you came to me just a few minutes ago and had asked me to come and lay hands on your daughter that she would be healed. Don't you stop believing what you began believing a while ago. You keep believing that. You ignore what they're saying. You forget about what they're saying. You don't pay no attention to what they're saying. I'm still here and I'm still on time. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm about to have a Pentecostal spell in case anybody, if you've never saw a Pentecostal spell, get ready. Praise the Lord. Amen? Jesus did not offer him an apology for being late. Jesus instead continued on to his house. And when he got there, he changed the situation. Jesus went on with what he had began to do and he changed death to life. He brought resurrection to that little girl. Amen? He turned the house of mourning into a house of rejoicing and into a house of joy. Hallelujah. When Jesus got there, when Jesus got there, all the professional mourners were there. You know, they hired those people. They hired those people to come in and weep and wail and mourn and it was all a bunch of put on. They weren't sorry. They were just getting paid to be there and cry. Can you imagine that? And so they're all weeping and wailing and mourning and Jesus goes in and he's going to bust this party up. (laughs) He's going to get rid of all the unbelief out of this mess. And Jesus comes in and says, why in the world are you all making such a to-do over this? He said, this girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And you know why we know that all their wailing was phony and fake? Because they went from wailing and crying 
and immediately made the change to laughing. And they wasn't laughing with joy. They was ridiculing Jesus. And the Bible said they laughed him to scorn. They were making fun of him because they knew she was dead. But Jesus comes in, oh, come on, somebody. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when he went to the tomb of Lazarus and they say, he said, roll that stone away. And they said, well, he's been, Lazarus been dead four days. He stinks by now. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, your brother's going to rise again. And she said, yeah, I know he will to resurrection and the last day. And Jesus said, I'm here to tell you, you're looking at the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that lives and believes in me shall never die. You're looking at the resurrection. Well, the resurrection, they didn't know it, but the resurrection had walked into the house of this ruler of the synagogue. And he said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Hallelujah. And then there's some people that take that and say it wasn't really a resurrection. Listen, she was dead. She had died. Her spirit and soul had departed her body. And she was dead. But they laughed Jesus to scorn ridiculed him. And Jesus took Jairus, his wife, Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, took them in there and told everybody else, get out. He wasn't the most popular guy there that day. He's kicking people out of the house. He's getting all that doubt out of there. He's getting all that unbelief. He's getting all that negativity out of there. He's ignoring, listen to me, he's paying no attention to the negativity. He's believing because he knows what's going to happen next. And we know the story. Jesus, uh, if you'll read it, he, he, he reaches down, gets everybody out. He grabs the little girl by the hand and says, Oh, maiden, he speaks in Aramaic. And then he says, which was interpreted, I say to you, arise. And immediately she uh, woke up. She, she, her spirit came back into her body. She was raised up from the dead. Her sickness was healed. Listen, whatever it was that had caused her to be sick and caused her to die, obviously she hadn't eaten in a while. But that sickness is gone now. Jesus told them, said, y'all need to get in the kitchen, fix this little girl something to eat. She's healed. She's well. Everything's all right now. Glory to God. He turned a house of mourning into a house of rejoicing. He turned a place of death into life. See, that's what Jesus has come to do. That's what he's come to do in your life. That's what he's come to do in my life, to come into your desperate situation and your desperate hour and your terrible circumstance and turn things around for you. But you've got to be like Jairus. You've got to keep believing. You've got to fear not. You've got to ignore the negativity. You've got to ignore the voice of the devil and keep on believing God for your breakthrough. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh man, I tell you, this is, this is why Jesus won and he conquered and he overcame because he refused to pay attention to all the prophets of doom and despair. And that, my friend, is a lesson for all of us today that we must keep believing and not waver in our faith even in the face of a reversal of what we expected. Even when the mountain doesn't move. Even when the sea doesn't divide. Even when it doesn't appear 
that anything's happening. We have to, in the face of that, uh, of that difficult situation and when, when we have an unexpected reversal in our life, in those situations, that's when we must keep believing. That word that Jesus said to Jairus is the same word he's saying to you today. When you're facing that impossibility, he's saying, don't be afraid. Just keep believing. Don't give up on your faith. Listen, there's never a place. There's never a place for us to ever throw in the towel and stop believing. Amen? The devil wants to rob you of your faith. It's a fight of faith that we fight and that's what the enemy tries to do is rob us of our faith. Don't stop believing. Hang on to the word and to the promise of God. Listen, those prophets of doom and gloom are out there. They may be some in here. Hope not. <laughs> But there are those voices that come to us, that come against us from the enemy that are determined to rob you of your faith. Voices that will tell you that all hope of victory is dead, that you might as well just give up, that you may as well just stop believing. There's no use in trusting the Lord anymore. It's all over, no use in trusting God. Just abandon that dream, just abandon that hope, just abandon your faith and just, just go on and forget about it. But you and I, we have to learn to not pay attention to those voices. We've got to come to that place where we ignore those voices of doubt and despair and listen to the voice of God. Amen? The reason the children of Israel, listen to me, the reason the children of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness is because, why, why? Because they sent the spies, Moses did, to spy out the land. They saw the giants over there, but they also saw that it was a land that was filled with milk and honey, which means it was a land of abundance. It was everything that God had told them that it was. Yeah, there were some giants there. Listen, before you're going to experience the, the fullness of the blessing of God, there's giants that have to be dealt with and giants that have to be driven out. But those spies came back, and 10 of those spies had what is called a bad report or an evil report or a negative report. And they said, yeah, the land is everything that God said that it was and, and they, had a, they had a cluster of grapes it took two men to put on a pole to carry back this is the fruit of that land it's a blessed land it's a great place but we can't go in there because of the giants that are in there we can't take it we can't overcome it but there was two guys see there was two voices speaking that day there was two other guys that were by the name of Joshua and Caleb that it were of a had another spirit they were of a different spirit they had a spirit of faith. And they're telling them, oh, don't, don't, no, no, don't listen to that. It is a land. It is a great land. And there is giants. Yes, there are giants there. And yeah, they are bigger than we are. And all this ten spies were saying, we just look like grasshoppers. We're just a little bit tiny in their side. We can't overcome them. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, their protection and their defense has departed from them. They don't have anybody to fight for them like we got fighting for us. We got the Lord on our side. We 
got God fighting for us. We got God on our side. It doesn't matter how the giants are. See, you see what Caleb was doing? You see what Joshua was doing? They were ignoring the report of the 10 spies and trying to convince Israel, listen to us, pay no attention to what the 10 spies are saying with their negativity. So you have to have selective hearing. Like Mark does sometimes. Is that right? You know. <laughs> Praise God. You got you gotta have, you gotta have selective hearing because there's voices coming from both realms. Amen. And the children of Israel didn't go into the land even when God had given it to them and promised it to them. And they even said, Moses was talking about it in Deuteronomy chapter 1. They said, where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. They have caused our heart to melt. Why were they discouraged? Why did their heart melt? What robbed them of their faith? What kept them in the wilderness for 40 years? Because they paid attention to the wrong report. Mm. Hallelujah. I hope I'm making this clear. See, there are so many voices today that call for our attention. There's, voice, there's a voice that calls us to faith, to courage, and to victory. And that's the voice that I'm trying to be yes, here sir. today. Amen. Good. All right? Yes, sir. That voice that calls us to victory and courage and faith is the voice that comes from the Lord. But there's also a voice out here that calls us to doubt and to despair. And so it depends on which one of these we will ignore and which one we will listen to. Oh, hallelujah. Jairus chose, at the, at the, Jesus chose to ignore the voice of, of negativity. He convinced Jairus to ignore the voice of negativity and to listen to what he was telling him. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Keep believing. Amen? When you go through the Word of God, you, you start reading in the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, you'll find it where it says, and God said. But then a few pages over, you will read again where it says, and the serpent said. Two voices. One, one we need to listen to. The other we need to ignore. Are you with me? Can I tell you that those two voices are still speaking? God is still speaking. And so is the serpent still speaking. And the problem that we find today within the lives of Christians and in the body of Christ, that more seem to be listening to the serpent's voice. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going I'm to slow down a little. More seem to be listening to the voice of the serpent than they are listening to the voice of the Lord. Are you listening to me? Amen? That shouldn't be the case. The majority of the people today, they're the majority, of course, in the world, but even many within the church, do not know the voice of God. They can't distinguish between the voice of the serpent and the voice of the Holy Spirit or the voice of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you what will divide this up 
and help you to get the right, get the right voice because you'll never know the right true voice unless you know where the voice comes from. Come on, somebody. Listen, the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart. He will do that. He dwells in you and he will speak to you and he will quicken you. But he's going to talk to you in line with this book, in line with this word. He's never going to tell you anything that is out of line with the word of God. Amen. So anything that comes against you that is negative, that tries to get you to doubt God or disbelieve God or throw aside or cast aside your faith, you better get in this book and realize and recognize that comes from the voice of the serpent. We are not listening to the voice of the serpent. We are ignoring the voice of the serpent. I pay no attention to the voice of the serpent. I'm focusing in on the voice of the Lord that comes from the word of God today. Woo, hallelujah, amen. Praise God, praise God. So listen, let me bring this to a close. We've got to focus in on the voice of God, and His voice is what gives us confidence and what gives us courage. Yes, sir. That voice of the serpent says, you'll never be free from sin. You'll never be free from that habit. You'll never break that bondage. That's what the voice of the serpent tells you. You've tried and you've tried, but you'll never be able to overcome that habit or that addiction. That's what the verse, voice of the serpent tells you. But you better tune in and get a hold of the voice of God and pay that voice of the enemy no mind because the word of God says that to the child of God whose faith is in Christ, sin shall not have dominion over you. Hallelujah. The voice of God says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Lord Jesus says, for you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The voice of Jesus says that whom the Son has made free is free indeed. You don't have to be bound up today by any addiction or habit or, or sin in your life because Jesus paid the price on Calvary and the voice of the Lord is telling you the prison door is open. All you got to do is walk out free by the blood of Jesus Christ. That voice of the serpent says you'll never be able to make ends meet. You'll never be able to pay your bills. You know you're going to go broke. You know that you're not going to be able to make that mortgage payment. You'll never be out of debt. God has just left you on your own. But I'm going to tell you, that's the voice that you've got to ignore because the voice of God says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken and I have never saw my seed out begging for bread. Hallelujah. The voice of the Lord says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Hallelujah. The voice of the Lord says, for my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. There's a voice to ignore and there's a voice to listen to. Amen. Amen. 
And voice of the serpent says, you'll never be healed. God has forsaken you. That sickness will never leave. You'll never have victory over that. That's the voice of the serpent that tries to get you to doubt, tries to get you to lose hope, tries to get you to give up. But the voice of the Lord that's talking to you on the other side, the one you need to hear is the one that says, I am the Lord, the Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. The voice that you've got to listen to today is the one that says, bless the Lord. Oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all of my iniquities and who healeth all of my diseases who will believe the report of the Lord I'm going to believe the report of the Lord and listen to his voice that by his stripes we are healed we were healed I refuse to listen to the voice of the enemy. Woo! I feel like I'm in church. Amen? Pay no attention to the voice of doubt. Ignore what the enemy has to say. Because all, the, all of the talk and the negativity of the devil, listen to me, all of his boasting, all of his negativity, all of his discouraging talk cannot stop Jesus and cannot stop your miracle if you will refuse to listen to that voice and choose to listen to the voice of the Lord and believe his report. And that's just what Jesus was trying to get Jairus to do. Don't pay attention to that. Just keep believing what you started believing when you came to me. Hallelujah. Abraham, the friend of God, the father of our faith. He's the father of faith, isn't he? Abraham was a man that knew this art of not paying attention. Because God called him out of, out of Ur of the Chaldees and told him that he's, he said, you go to the place where I show you. He's on a journey to an unknown place. And God had given Abraham a promise. And God had promised him, even changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Yes. Abraham means what? Father of a multitude. And he didn't have any kids. And so God who, Paul said in Romans, God who calls those things which be not as though they were, makes a promise to Abraham and said, Abraham, look up there at the stars. Count them. You can't count them. He said, look up there and count them. He said, try to count the sand of the sea. He said, I'm going to make your seed like the stars of heaven and like the sand of the sea. It was a promise God gave to Abraham, but he didn't have, he didn't have any kids. And he isn't getting any younger. And neither is Sarah. And so, you know, it's a whole nother, it's a whole another message, but during this 25-year delay, because it was 25 years from the time the promise was made till the time it was fulfilled, and during that delay... 
Abraham did what most of us try to do. They decided they'd help God out. Don't try to help God. When you try to help God, you get an Ishmael, and it's just a mess. Everything's a mess. So don't try. God knows what he's doing. And if he made a promise, all the Lord wanted Abraham to do was just believe the promise. Just walk by faith. Mm -hmm. Believe the promise. And God reaffirmed that promise to him all down the line. Every once in a while, he'd come. He'd appear to him. He said, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. He said, I'm El Shaddai. I'm going to take care of this. The promise will be fulfilled. And then God, you know, even came to him in the tent, him and Sarah, and told him, said, this time next year, Sarah's going to have a child, and Sarah's in there laughing about it. God said, what are you laughing at? She said, well, I didn't laugh. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> I'm trying to bring this plane in for landing, okay? But the, but the delay was there for 25 years. And so Abraham's name is changed at, or Abram's name's changed to Abraham, father of a multitude. God made him this promise. Abraham is going around. Every time he says his name, I'm Abraham. He's saying, I'm father of a multitude. Oh, really? How many kids you got? I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have any. Well, what are you doing? I mean, people's, people's, people's thinking, this, this, guy, this old man is, is kind of lost it, you know. He's, this old man, he thinks he's going to be the father of the multitude. He's up in his 90. He, he's nearing 100 years old. His wife's 90. There ain't no way they're having any kids. This is an impossibility. And that voice of doubt, no doubt, the, the, the voice of doubt, I know, was screaming in, in Abraham's ear. and he, You know, it was trying to draw attention to his body, trying to draw attention to Sarah. Sarah's body saying, look at your body, old man. Look at Sarah. Look at her. There ain't no way this promise ever going to come to pass. It's an impossibility. What God has promised you, there's no way that that's ever going to happen. People were ridiculing him. People were making fun of him, calling him a crazy old man. This is never going to happen. But you won't. let me tell you something today. Abraham, you know what Abraham's key and secret? You know why he's the father of the faithful today? Because he learned this same key. He learn not to pay attention to the voices that contradicted what God had already said to him. He ignored the voices. How do you know that? Because Romans 4 tells us, and I'm closing with this scripture, Romans 4, 19 through 21. Abraham was too intent on hearing God's voice to pay any attention to the doubtful voices that were coming against him. And being not weak in faith, there it is. Well, if you're not weak in faith, then you must be strong in faith. And it tells us that in a minute. Being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead. He's not paying attention to that. He's ignoring that. When he was about a hundred years old, neither, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He's paying no attention to that. 
She's past the age of childbearing. There's no way she can have children. The enemy's saying, look at her body. That can't happen. And he's not considering that. Amen. He's ignoring that. Verse 20 says that he, Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. See, that's the thing that the enemy wants to get us to do. Stagger and doubt the promise of God. To be wavering when it comes to the promise. Abraham, in the midst of impossible circumstances, did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You know what that means? That all the time in the face of the impossible circumstance, he was ignoring the impossibility and going around praising God and giving glory to God and saying, God, I thank you that you have made me a father of many nations. I thank you for the promise that you've given me of a son and I don't know how you're going to do it but praise God I'm giving you glory that you're going to do it. Can somebody shout amen today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. He gave glory to God, was strong in faith. See, that strong faith that can praise God even before you see the answer come. And verse 21 says that being fully, he was fully persuaded. And here's what I want to try to get to you today. you got to be fully persuaded. Not partially persuaded. Fully persuaded. Persuaded of what? Persuaded of this. This is what he was fully persuaded. That what God had promised, he was able also to perform. He knew that it was an impossibility with him and with Sarah at their age. But he ignored that and said, if God promised it, then I know I'm fully persuaded that he is able to do it for me. Basically what he was saying is, if he said it, I know he'll do it. If he's promised and reaffirmed it, I know he'll do it. So, saints of God, you've got to ignore the negative report that comes from the enemy. And you've got to focus and tune in. Tune in to God's frequency and get the report from there. Amen. Amen. You know, there's, there's, there's radio waves, radio signals in this room frequencies. There are television programs in this room right now. Amen. You you know, I don't know what's on Sunday morning on, we mostly watch me TV and watch Bonanza and Gunsmoke and Perry Mason and all that. I don't know what's on on Sunday morning. I tell you, I am. I told you, I am a dinosaur. I don't know what's on Sunday morning, but if you had a digital antenna connected to a TV and turned it on here, you'd pull in something. But the thing is, you got to have a receiver to get the channel. You could turn the radio on, can't hear anything right now, but you could turn the radio on and dial it over to 99.5 or dial it to, to Joy FM or whatever. Hopefully you wouldn't Hopefully you wouldn't dial it to KC95 or something like that. He is some good gospel music. I felt a cool breeze right then. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
Now I've done went to preach, quit preaching and went to meddling. Haven't I? <laughs> but the point is, there's voices in the atmosphere that are biding for your attention, the voice of Satan and the voice of God. Right. You've got to tune in to the right frequency yes, and hear the Amen. voice of God. Amen. 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 Worship team, make your way back. Praise God. I'm going to have a time, altar time, and to pray for your needs this morning, give you an opportunity.